passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Impact Wrestling Slammiversary Post Show. I am John Pollock, and tonight I am joined by not one, but two guests. First up, he was the man behind the watch-along tonight over on the Up Next YouTube channel. You're also very familiar with his weekly Impact reports here at PostWrestling.com. He is the surprise entrant on this post show, Davey Portman. Hello, hello, hello. Guys, how are we doing today? Well, we are not joined by just Davey tonight because we could not be recapping Slammiversary without the man who, whether you would want to pay every Wednesday night to hear him talk, the man who spikes the ratings, the destination of America, the man that will get a pop out of your TV that we're all in pursuit of tonight, he is giving you that access. Nate Milton is with us. John, I don't know what to think right now you know i thought it was just going to be you and me doing this show like always and then i see davy portman is the mystery guest and i gotta tell you i was so mad i got up and i threw my liquor against the wall i don't know <laughs> what i'm gonna do the rest of the night but uh, <laughs> uh but yeah this, this is cool because this is kind of john when you think about it this is like you know slammiversary is all about bringing together different generations of tna or or impact or god forbid global force but on this show, we've got you, we've got me, and we've got Davey. It's like the past, present, and future of Impact Reviews. And so I, I'm looking forward to the conversation, gentlemen. Yeah, I thought five would be way too many. I thought three would, three is max. <laughs> That's what we're going to Are we going to announce that it's an elimination at the last minute and I'll just like leave halfway through? Or what's going on here? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be looking out in case one of you goes after my ankle or um, – <laughs> Davey hits the fold on somebody. Uh, we we will hopefully make it uh, make our way through to the end of it. And I, I always find like given that Impact Wrestling, they, it's not like they run monthly pay per views. So whenever we do one of these shows, it's you know for a quarterly pay per view, and it's usually like an update on where Impact Wrestling stands. And that, it's always curious to look at the day of a pay per view, what that interest level is. And this was one where Impact leaned in heavily just towards buy this pay-per-view because we got a lot of surprises. And that that was the main event of the show more than any of the matches. I'll start with you, Davey. Like, you've been uh, consistently watching Impact for the last number of months and doing the reports. Um, today, how much interest did you have in this card? And did you sense a lot of interest online for Slammiversary? I, I genuinely was... Uh, really looking forward to this show. I, uh, I've i mentioned in my reports before and on the podcast that I am not someone who uh, watched TNA back in the day, like when when it was at its height. I, I never really watched TNA. And I'm probably one of the only people that started watching wrestling during the pandemic. So I pretty much started these reports just before um, 
just before COVID hit and just before they went to empty arena. And actually I've quite been enjoying the product. And then uh, I think they've had some great wrestling on there. I've, I've loved the women's division in impact. And then with the intrigue of these uh, mystery guests turning up tonight, I, I was pretty, uh, I had high expectations for this show and pretty much just two hours before the show went on air, I decided why not do a watch long? I, I knew uh, John Ceno, who's joined us for a bunch of the watch longs, uh, was going to be watching it as well. So we figured very last minute to put one on and the room was really popular. So it actually showed that there was interest in the show tonight. Now, some of them were tuning in just so they didn't want to pay and they just wanted to hear <laughs> us tell them what was happening and who showed up, who showed up. Um, but there were were actually people in the room as well who said, I bought this show because I wanted to see who turns up. So I think from whether or not they delivered on the actual night, I think from a promotional point of view, I think Impact did a pretty good job for this show. How about you, Nate? How much Impact have you been ke- ke- keeping up with uh, during the pandemic or were you kind of just dropping in for this pay-per-view? I've been kind of popping in and out with impact during the past three months or so, just because like wrestling as much as I love it. And I love to talk about it. Wrestling has kind of slipped uh, on my list of priorities, just given what's going on (laughs) in this, uh, in this crazy alternate timeline of, of, of a reality that, that we're dealing with in America right now. Uh, But, but impact has been good to Davey's point. And you, you know, you could make the argument that, Impact has been really solid for the better part of the last two years, maybe even more than that. And the days of, you know, Impact being the butt of a joke or, you know, the LOL TNA days, like I think that's in the past. The problem is while you've got people who are interested and and I I talked to a lot of people this week that were like, what are they going to do with the title situation? You know, uh, now that Tessa's out of the picture, you know, who's going to be the the people that show up? Uh, You know, is, is EC3 coming back? Things of that nature. So there's interest, but they haven't found a way to turn that interest into profit. Not yet. And I think, you know, just the the numbers that Davey talked about for the watch along is evidence to that, you know, because out of the 10 people I talked to this week about Slammiversary, I would be surprised if more than two of them actually plunked down money to watch this show, John. Yeah, it's it, for me for the longest time, I think Impact – Really, you can go back to when when they finally moved to Pursuit and in the U.S. and you know you had to follow them, whether it be on Twitch or just some of these outlets. And I don't think it's really changed all that much. Moving to Access is that you know for a time period, Impact was kind of that that alternative and and took up a lot of that space. If you were someone that was going to watch non WWE wrestling, Impact was a viable option. Now, it's the options are just so vast. We have access to so much wrestling that Impact they're just struggling I think to keep up with all the competition that's out there and you know, wrestling fans only have so much time. And I think that's mm-hmm. where Impact just becomes a victim of, you know, they're my fourth or fifth promotion I'm going to prioritize. And we there's going to be weeks I don't catch it. So it's trying to just stay relevant in the 
everyday conversation. So I think Impact, they tried to make a big promotion out of this surprise, the surprises to try and just grab interest tonight. So I did see tonight as an important show just to try and grab back some lapsed fans. And whether it be just curiosity tonight or just tuning in on Tuesday, I think that was the goal of tonight, Davey. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, And it's the, the problem is, is whether after the actual show, itself they they turned off people or not which i'm sure we'll get into but i I know from from the room i i think the majority on the youtube were felt disappointed after it and were kind of maybe cheesed that they (laughs) they took their money tonight well let's let's recap that throughout all of this promotion and the videos they've been running i mean the the former TNA stars that they have been like dangling in front of you. Like this wasn't just letting people's minds wander. They literally threw out teases of Kurt Angle, of Sting, and that's naturally going to set people's expectations. The tagline was, our world changes forever. So <laughs> you can't really set the bar much higher than our world changes forever tonight. So watch out when Impact Wrestling and Heath Slater collide on <laughs> July the 18th. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, John, like we didn't get Sting, but we did get Showtime tonight. So they <laughs> they weren't lying to us. <laughs> yeah, with almost like this uh, – like very bizarre mask as well that it, uh, we'll get we'll get into some of the um the, the wardrobe choices uh, let, me, well. let me ask you though john and and, and you too davy because that's something that i talked to uh with a friend this week about you know in the in terms of this surprise was there anybody that could have lived up to the expectations that were raised given these vignettes over the past month or so because honestly outside like ec3 would have been fine uh what we got it was okay. Like, honestly, I would, I would have loved to have seen Monty Brown, but I didn't think that was going to happen. But was there anybody outside of somebody like a Kurt or a sting that could have lived up to the hype that they were generating? I feel, um, I feel the, uh, the best thing would be to not promote whoever it is. You're going to have show up like mm. tease some tease, some of like your, your Kurt Hawkins, your Zack Ryder's, and then deliver an EC3. And you're like, oh, okay. But the fact everyone was so heavily teased. And as John said, Kurt Angle, Sting. And you're not getting that. And and something I, I felt was, I feel it would have been a bigger reaction if all these signings kind of came as a unit. Like if you if you did an, like an invasion angle with these mm. new uh, these old guys together, okay, these are... These are maybe your C-level guys, but you team them together and bring them in as one unit to end the show and do a big angle. They kind of bump themselves up to a B-plus or an A-level. Whereas scattering them out throughout the show, you're like, oh, cool. We've got Heath Slater. Oh, the, the Good Brothers. Well, that was announced a couple of weeks ago they were coming here. And EC3. Well, we we kind of thought it would be him anyway. Mm. I really so, thought. Uh, sorry, go you, ahead, David. Sorry, yeah, I was just gonna reiterate. I, I think it would have had more of an impact if they were one unit coming it together at the end. I think people would have been left a bit more buzzing off of that. So they, they did reveal ahead of time Anderson and Gallows with the the interview they did last night and yeah. flat out stating we're going to be on the pay per view, which I didn't think was a bad move to just at least say, hey, we're going to be there, get that final 24-hour buzz going into the show. And after I heard that, and their interview as well, where 
you know, they said they've signed a two-year deal with Impact. And, you know, they said once we can travel, we're going to be going to New Japan. That made me think that the absolute best you could pull out of your hat for a big angle on Sunday, and a lot of this would be contingent on Impact being able to thaw what's been a very frozen relationship with New Japan, to be able Mm -hmm. to go to New Japan and say, hey, none of your guys can travel right now. Let us use all your U.S. Bullet Club guys that come with Anderson and Gallows, and they show up, your your Kentas, your Gorillas of Destiny – you can't use them right now. We can give them some paydays for a couple of months until they can travel over there. Anderson and Gallows are going to be in, in New Japan again. And Impact gets to utilize the Bullet Club for a couple of months while they're they're handicapped and can't go to Japan. I thought that was literally the best option you could pull out of your hat in terms of surprising people with a, with a big angle of what's out there. Because free agents – it, it's not like there's this depth of free agents out there that you can bring in that can be those those game changers. Like even a Sting or a Kurt Angle, it's very questionable uh, physically what they can do n- now, other than a one-off here or there. So I, I don't know what how how deep the options were to begin with. Well, damn! Now now I wish I would have paid forty dollars for that damn show because that sounds a hell of a lot more intriguing than, than what we got, John Pollock. And it's it's an idea that yes, it does depend on mending fences that have been broken over the years but and that's a that's a big hurdle yeah but but if they were able to pull that off like that's something that actually has legs and something that would actually live up to the hype that you generated and that's uh, something that uh john Cena was saying in the group as well he was suggesting that uh kenta could be that mystery man and essentially saying john what you said have a kind of bullet club going on in the u.s mm -hmm. and that would even you, you can pitch that to new japan as hey, you've just had Evil become your champion. You'll eventually have Kenta and Jay White back and you can have that kind of battle for who is the leader because you've got a world champion in the US, you've got your world champion in uh, Japan and then your leader. But yeah, it was it was the better show in the, in the parallel universe that we could have got. Um. So let's let's dive into this, uh, p- this pay-per-view uh, happening from... The beautiful Skyway Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. And I've kind of been conflicted on this because watching the TV and, and tonight's pay-per-view, like the biggest hurdle for them, I thought was like the atmosphere for these matches. It's, you, you could certainly say like of all the companies that are running empty arena shows right now, this is the toughest just because they, they aren't putting people in the crowds. And I can't fault them at the same time for that. I think this is a safer measure that they're not mm. going to that extent. So I feel bad critiquing that but it is pretty jarring i would say nate when you're watching these matches and it's been the case on tv for all of these empty studio shows that it's just so quiet right like as a human being i I appreciate what they're doing in terms of trying to be a little bit more cautious than the uh, other competitors out there but from just the viewing standpoint and the experience of, of watching a show, especially a show that's supposed to be the kickoff to a lot of big stories. Um, I felt like the energy just wasn't there, especially when you talk about, you know, the moose match, which we'll get into. And, and uh, like when you got a guy like Dreamer, who at this point, John, I hate to say it. I don't want to disparage the good name of, of, of Tommy Dreamer. But at this point, like 80 percent of Dreamer is crowd reactions. And without a crowd it kind of kills whatever mystique was there. So yeah, that's, that's one thing that 
in general has kind of let uh, dampened my my interest in wrestling over the past few months is, you know, you either have no crowd or you have a crowd full of employees, and it's it's not the same thing. Granted, it shouldn't be the same thing right now uh, because if you want to be real about it, Davey, like we probably shouldn't have even been watching a show tonight, given what's going on in America and given the lack of the lack of awareness when it comes to battling this disease, battling this uh, virus. But here we are. And so just judging as a viewer, it does lessen my enjoyment of the product. Oh, 100%. And I'm, one of my questions going into it was how much of this is uh, like an impact decision? Or bear in mind, this is in Nashville. This is in Tennessee. This isn't in Florida where mm. it seems to be anything goes. Like go mm. to Disney, go to a wrestling show, like do whatever. Like, I don't know, if, John, and you may know better. What is this an actual impact decision? Um, or is it just because of where they're recording? There might be different laws in place there. Well, I would, I, I don't know specifically what kind of measures impact is subjected to, but, uh, Tennessee is where NASCAR just held their race on Wednesday and had something like 22,000 people attend in the stands. So okay. I, I don't know if, uh, Tennessee <laughs> yeah. is necessarily clamping down too much. Um, if they're having 22,000 people attend a NASCAR all-star race, um, as of a few days ago. So, yeah, I'd say this was either a Skyway Studios thing or an impact thing, just because given kind of the attitudes of a lot of governors in the South and granted, I live in the South, but a lot of the governors have had conflicting responses, uh, to be fair or to be, to be nice about it, uh, to this pandemic. And so, yeah, like Tennessee is not where I would go. No, no disrespect to any listeners in Tennessee, but that's not where I'm going to feel safe right now. Fair enough. I would also say that their their roster isn't the size of an AEW or WWE. So whereas, I mean, not that they're full audiences, but Impact, you'll have what, like the Dinas and a couple of other guys at ringside. It, It might even sound worse if you've just got... 15, 20 people there. You can only rely on so many cutaways to Johnny Swinger. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> trying to start chance. It would be a little tough. And again, like it, it, it's tough atmosphere wise, but uh, I'm not going to be overly critical about that decision um, no. at the same time. So Josh Matthews was calling the show with Don Callis. Uh, it's been Josh Matthews and Madison Rain uh, throughout all the TV leading into this. Um, and we kick things off with. Uh, Dez and Wentz coming out for their open challenge, and it is answered by the returning Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. Uh, Chris Sabin in his first match since January of 2019 after he suffered a torn ACL, I believe the third of his career after he had those back-to-back ACL tears during his uh, TNA days. Um, the match begins, and... Dez and Wentz just take turns, landing the Centon Atomicos onto Sabin in their corner. Sabin comes back. He lays out both on the floor after these kicks from the apron. They're double-teaming Wentz and just all the signature double-team spots by the Motor City Machine Guns. And these two, I mean, they have not teamed in years at this point, but... I mean, right back to their regular chemistry. Dez gets a hot tag, and he's just running wild here. Moments later, they take over. They're double-teaming Dez, and they go through a series of near falls. There's the tackle breakup spot, which we got several times throughout tonight. And then the machine guns uh, hit their finish and pin Dez at 14 minutes, 48 seconds. And we'll start with you on this one, Nate. Uh, your thoughts on the return of the machine guns and uh, this opener that I think started the show off pretty well. 
this made me so happy, John. Like if if the emotion that I felt at the beginning of the show were the same emotions that I felt once we got our final reveal of the night, I think this would be one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. Uh, just because I've always been a fan of the Motor City Machine Guns. I think that they were criminally underutilized uh, during their first run in Impact. And so to see them come back and see them reunite was just cool on his face. But then you put them in there with the Rascals, right? And and these are, if, if you could theoretically pick any team that would be, you know, kind of this dream match for the Motor City Machine Guns, it would be somebody like the Rascals. And so to see him in there with these guys just kicked off things with a bang for me. I enjoyed the match. Uh, did, like it, This set the bar pretty high for me to start the show. Like I was I was in a really, really good mood uh, after this match, and, and I was ready to receive the, the rest of my Christmas presents, uh, the Christmas in July presents that Impact was ready to give us tonight. Davey, uh, your thoughts on the the return of the machine guns, how they can fit into the uh, the tag division? Because uh, it, you certainly come out of this like this was uh, far from a one-off. And uh, we'll talk about that later, what they've set up for Tuesday. I really loved it. I, I think the fact that these guys haven't seemed to have been teased either. This was a genuine, pleasant surprise. And mm. kick off the show right away. Get get some of these mystery people out. Um, I thought it was great. The match was great. I've... I've loved the Rascals. I'm I'm very high up on the North, and I think the problem is with the Impact Tag Division is they just stand like so many tiers above everyone else. And I put the Rascals kind of second in that tag division. I think, uh, especially in recent weeks with certain stories going on, um, Wentz especially, as well as Trey, obviously, but have really come out of their shells a lot more and shown other sides of themselves. Um so I think these were great opponents for Motor City Machine Guns and the tag division def- desperately needs more people in there. I I love the likes of TJP and Falabar as a tag team, but they're not on the level of like the North and these guys. So I think introducing uh, Motor City in there really helps the division a lot. Yeah, we, we definitely inserted this match into the positive column for Slammiversary, uh, but... Things would fall into the other column as the show would uh, progress onward, um, which is a natural segue to our first of several appearances by Johnny Bravo with Taya Valkyrie backstage. Mm. And Taya warns him not to mess up tonight. Well, spoiler, he did. And then Rosemary walks in and tells Bravo she must win the gauntlet match later. So Johnny Bravo is conflicted. What his solution would be? Stay tuned, Mm. folks, because you can't make this stuff up. Moose against Tommy Dreamer, an old-school rules match. Tommy comes out, and he's wearing a shirt that reads, Moose Sucks Eggs, as an ode to uh, Terry Funk and his feud with uh, Dusty Rhodes. And I feel like we have to do a little bit of an update on some of these stories. So Moose is walking around with the TNA title that he found and has proclaimed himself the TNA champion. He is a a fake champion carrying around this belt. Um, Moose also was the most committed to yelling at the non-existent <laughs> audience, um, telling them that he was the best wrestler in the world. And he is also now the wrestling god. So I guess um, multiple wrestling gods uh, exist in pro wrestling, or it's been bestowed upon him by JBL. <laughs> yes, I've I've personally 
really enjoyed Moose over the last few weeks, which is, is something I, I didn't think I'd ever find myself saying, but I think he's been so entertaining in this character, this just deluded fake champion. Uh, as you mentioned, John, he uh, he kind of references the crowd a lot at some points. He wasn't doing it tonight, but uh, when he gets, um, sorry, what's his name? David Penser, the, mm. the ring announcer to uh, do his call. He's even been quietening down the non-existent crowd <laughs> at times, which has been very entertaining. Um, I, I genuinely really enjoyed him. Um, and I, I've enjoyed this feud, but knew I would not particularly, I was never interested in the match itself, but, uh, Mike wise leading up to this, I, I found very entertaining. Yeah. Like yeah this- Moose is, I will say John Moose is just so good with this character. He's committed. Like you, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, and that, that's why I think the, the route they went with the world champion I'm fine with tonight because it's, it's time to get Moose back in that, in that top picture. And I think that, you know, maybe after the immediate feud for the champion, we can go to Moose getting that shot because I, I, I just love Moose in this role. And like Davey said, it's not a role that I would have put him in. Like if I were writing the show, that wouldn't have been my idea. You know, I believe it was a year or so ago, John, where you and I were discussing whether or not Impact made the right call by not putting the belt on Moose at that time. And so for him to do this complete 180 and just, throw himself into this delusional egotistical heel character. Like he's been so fun. And I, I just hope we get better matchups for him down the road. Then again, no disrespect, but uh, Tommy dreamer is not, not what I'm here for. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I I found in, in like the empty arena settings, like when you're doing matches heavily reliant on weapons, I, I find there to be, they're a real negative to me. Like there's, there's no reaction to them. It just feels like, aimless you know weapon strikes um over and over uh, dreamer was like getting around like real slow in this match and i think you take the crowd out of it um it leaves a lot to be desired here um they, they did what they could here working around with um moose bringing in uh, a kendo stick um dreamer used the uh, white russian leg sweep and moose dove off the top which looked like a shoulder tackle and just crashed onto this trash can. The announcer said the Dreamer caught him with a cutter, which might have been a little generous to what exactly happened here, but it was, uh, Moose sprawled out on the floor after this, this leap. Um, Moose then recovered, threw a bunch of chairs into the ring and sent Dreamer onto them with a Uranagi followed by a standing moonsault. And then Moose went to the second turnbuckle, misses a moonsault and Dreamer fights back. He pours thumbtacks onto the canvas and Moose low blows Dreamer and then takes Dreamer by the head. And he's trying to put his eye into the thumbtacks. I thought they were going to try and beat WWE to the punch here by 24 (laughs) hours. But Dreamer fought him off. Then Moose gouged him in the eye, sent him face first into the tacks, and speared him to win the match in 11 minutes, 18 seconds. This was the only outcome this match was going to have. And I guess you could have Moose do something where you, you do some like pseudo unification match with with your champion after this but largely this was put a name against moose for moose to run through and that's what this was davy yeah uh i would say i don't think the match overstayed its welcome i think it was exactly the right length um it it was what i expected it to be i was kind of expecting this to be one of the points where we get one of our 
former kind of TNA guys come back, especially with TNA, uh, Moose running around with the TNA title. Mm. Um, and we had the EC3 tease not so long ago where uh, after Moose finished his match, EC3's music played. So I, I was surprised it was literally just this match. Uh, a positive I'm going to give it, I, I thought Moose's gear looked fantastic. The white and gold, and he's changed the strap to the white, I thought looked very nice. Uh, but the match was whatever. I got into it with the eyes and the thumbtacks because why not? It's 2020 and wrestlers hate eyes, it seems. <laughs> yeah, if, if the first match was a wonderful Christmas present, John, then this match was Halloween and we were trick-or-treating <laughs> and we were all Charlie Brown in this instance because we got a rock. And <laughs> we didn't want a rock. We wanted some candy or at the very least a box of raisins. But we got a rock. And so... Again, no no disrespect to Tommy Dreamer because uh, Father Time is undefeated and we all can't be as good as we were 20 years ago. But Davey's right. This match was exactly what it needed to be. And I hope that we've kind of moved past the Moose versus the Legends gimmick, even though he is still running around with that TNA belt. I would hope that, it, you know, we, we move Moose on to bigger and better things because he's just so good in this role. Johnny Swinger arrived outside. <laughs> this was very funny. He said there was a parking spot reserved for Anderson, but he didn't see Ole anywhere. And then he gives uh, Gia Miller the limp handshake. Um, I mean, this guy is really great in the in this role. Um, there's definitely a place for Johnny Swinger uh, on this show. He's he's very very entertaining. Again, uh, shout out to Johnny Swinger for this late career resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Davey, if you, if you continue to watch more ECW, you'll get plenty of uh, Johnny Swinger of 20 years ago to contrast. Yeah, pe- people in the room were informing me about how long this, this guy has been around. Because, honestly, mm. I, I, I never heard of this dude until I started writing these reports. Yes, don't sing it, swing it was the <laughs> mantra, the, the, the cheer of a, of a whole generation back in the 90s. <laughs> and we never saw this guy again. Like, he arrived. We, he never – did we ever see him again tonight? No. He just showed I, up in this parking spot, well, and that was it. Well, I mean, we'll get to it with the Chris Bay match, but that was one of the head scratches of the night for me was – because after this week's impact, they – they really led you to feel that this Johnny Swinger Chris Bay partnership was mm. going to have a big uh, impact, if you will, in the X Division title. And yeah, he just showed up, did his thing, and disappeared. <laughs> well, this next match, I was wishing that several ideas that were injected into this oh, match God. would have disappeared. We had the number one contenders gauntlet match with the knockouts. And, you know, if nothing else, like this match, just the lineup, you got to see, like, the depth of characters and performers they have in this division. We started things off with Tasha Steeles and Kylie Ray. And I actually thought that like they had a really good start to this, but this is, you know, Impact loves their Royal Rumbles. And that's what this pretty much was their shortened version of where um they started off for two minutes, uh, then the third entrant would come in, and then we get one minute intervals, and the final two would have a regular match. So Steels and Ray, Kylie Ray, first of all, was to me the the standout of the match, and I don't have mm. a whole lot positive to say about this match, so I'll get that one out of the way immediately. Number three, we get Taya Valkyrie, who is introduced, but it's Johnny Bravo dressed as Taya Valkyrie. Um, 
this was not a problem having no crowd because it would have been an equal reaction had there been 50,000 people that were watching this <laughs> as he came out and Ray and Steels double teamed and tossed him over the top. And then David Penzer announced Taya Valkyrie has been eliminated. So I didn't know what this was. Um, I would still try to piece it together later. We had Kimberly and Kiera Hogan out next. Um, followed by Susie, who came in and just delivered shotes to everybody. And then we got our first elimination of Tasha Steeles being knocked out by Kylie Ray. Katie Forbes, hailing from Twerk City, was in seventh as Forbes then started fighting with Hogan. And this was where, uh, th- this was just falling apart. This was not good, this interaction at all. Madison Rain came in next, followed by Havoc. And Havoc comes in, and she is in the role of the monster. She is destroying everyone. Everyone's backing away from her. So just remember that. Then we had the real Taya Valkyrie. So we had a a full entrance spot reserved for Johnny Bravo to be a dipshit. um, And he got to be in this match for that. And in fact, he would get two stupid dipshit spots. So the real Taya Valkyrie is in, even though she was announced as eliminated for the spot earlier. So... Then Alicia Edwards comes in, uh, followed by Nevaeh. Josh Matthews is trying to, at this point, say – he's trying to put over Kylie Ray like this is Ric Flair in the 92 Rumble, saying, can we get an update on the minutes? Kylie Ray has been here from the beginning, and I'm looking at my watch. She has been in this thing for a grand total of 11 minutes at this point. It's like, uh, let, let's simmer down a little on the, the, Iron, on Woman. the Iron Woman here, Kylie Ray. Um Rosemary comes in. Then the 14th and final entrant is a fake Rosemary with Johnny Bravo, who would not come top 10 in a Halloween costume at some shitty nightclub. Uh, this just fell so flat. And you've got Don Callis with this fake laughter. It was like this was something out of like mid-2000s WWE that you would see that it was just like to me such a mockery. Um and this was a match that I was looking forward to going in, and it just felt like awful ideas for comedy. Then Susie's eliminated as we're watching this Johnny Bravo dressed up as Rosemary garbage. And then Johnny Bravo eliminates Havoc, who's like the right. big monster here. It's like, what is going on in this match? Then we just get a slew of eliminations that you can't possibly keep track of. And we get it down to Kylie Ray and Taya Valkyrie whose match consisted of about 30 seconds and a Canadian Destroyer and Super Kick as Kylie Ray pinned Taya Valkyrie. As I said, I thought Kylie Ray was the standout in this thing, but this thing was a grand disappointment for me. But feel the, free to disagree. The only, yeah, the only good thing that came from this, John, was we get Kylie Ray as the number one contender, especially given you know the the title switch we get later. Because yeah, like she's got she's got it. You know what I mean? She can go in the ring. She's got the personality of like. You got to give credit, like the depth of this division, but the Johnny Bravo stuff was so annoying, especially having him eliminate Havoc like that. That got me so aggravated because this division is so good. And it felt Davey, like if, if we're playing EWR, right. Yeah. And we got, we got Johnny Bravo as one of our, one of the people on our roster and we using Johnny Bravo here. We using Johnny Bravo there. We using Johnny Bravo again at the end of the night, when you get that report, it's going to say the audience turned on Johnny Bravo because he <laughs> used him too damn much. And that's how I felt after this. Like somebody should have told Impact, like, yeah, 
I was going to say, John, even the once would have been enough, but we didn't even need the once. We didn't need the first time with Taya. Like, it, it didn't work. It diminished what should have been a showcase match for these women, given that this division, you could make the argument that Impact's got one of the strongest women's division going right now. And at the end of this match, other than Kylie Ray winning, the only thing you take away from this is all that Johnny Bravo foolishness. It's like it made the whole women's division like it just painted it as like this comedy division. And it was just it was such a contrast to the title match we'd get later that I just yep. I just thought this was such a disservice to this whole division that they made this just like a, a comedy match and bad, bad comedy on top of it. Yeah, th- this actually made me really disappointed. Um, I've I've been singing the women's division's praises and even even in the uh like the youtube room for the watch long so many people were like oh well i've i've come along to check what impact's doing and i keep on hearing about this women's division yeah and you get served this um i my one positive and this is literally my one positive for the johnny bravo thing was he was dressed as smee and ty was dressed as captain hook so it was a nice like comment on (laughs) their kind of relationship that's it um you can the the thing I like about Battle Royals, Royal Rumbles is when you try and weave in different stories that have been going on and try and have them come to a bit of a head. So we've had this kind of triangle with Rosemary, Ty Valkyrie, and Johnny Bravo, and that's the only reason why I see him being in this match. But they didn't even really do anything with it for that. You could have easily had Johnny Bravo on the outside, not in like having himself in the match to kind of further that story if you were going to do multiple entrants why not do it on the character who's been teasing a split personality right you've got Susie in the ring who has been teasing she did her like sue young finisher on tuesday she's having like kind of snaps to like thinking back to when she's sue young on tv why not do it with her where she gets eliminated as one and comes back as the other like the kind of uh, three faces of Foley sort of thing. If you wanted to do some kind of comedy re-entrance thing, um, Kira Hogan has been one of my my favorite women's wrestlers, full stop, since watching Impact, and she's doing stupid twerking with Katie Forbes. The the whole thing was a mess. And Nate, as you said, the only positive is we're having Kylie Ray going forward for the championship. But this was so disappointing because I think this division's so so good, and this just made it look like a complete joke. Yeah, th- this this I thought was the worst match on the show. Um, so bad that everyone's stream died as a result of it. Um, <laughs> and then, and it wasn't Sammy Callahan uh, coming on for a segment either. Uh, everyone's stream went down, and then. <laughs> it was right as Heath Slater makes his appearance. So we like I, I my feed goes down. It's down for like five minutes. And then all of a sudden Heath is there. You got to rewind his microphone. It's got the worst audio like th- this couldn't have been a worse appearance for this guy. And he's cutting this promo that he wants to be the fourth man in the main event tonight. And he said, this is the new Heath and that seems to be what he's going by. He's just going by Heath. Um, and he gets interrupted by Rohit Raju. And Raju says that you are not going to be anywhere near the title match tonight. You're not going to leapfrog me. He said the last time you were in a title match, it sure didn't last too long. 
um, which is a, a wonderful reminder to everyone that this guy just lost in 25 seconds on the other program. Uh, so they fought, and then Heath hit a Russian leg sweep out of the corner, sending Raju to the floor. And we'd get more of Heath later on. And um, yeah, I I feel where this is going, and we can even talk about it, where it would be to me a, a tumultuous waste to bring this guy in and you just have him playing his goofball WWE character. My assumption is that he's going to be the goofball uh, Rhino's friend and he, and Rhino's going to get him into the company. And then I'm hoping we get a Heath turn because that promo mm-hmm. on Raw told me this guy could be a really great character. But I really question bringing him in to be the 3MB Heath Slater that he kind of felt like uh, tonight. But – we should give this some uh, a chance for this guy to see what they have planned because it's it was one night, but I didn't think tonight's impression was a very strong one for just Heath. No, and and you're right, John. Like that promo was so good that honestly, it should have earned him a spot on the horror show instead of Slammiversary. It would have been uh, bigger than Dolph tomorrow night. I, I can tell yeah, you that. No, nobody wants to watch that match. But uh, again, yes, you're you're right. Like I'm hoping that we get a serious Heath Slater, uh, and and not you know comedy guy because they don't need any more comedy guys. I was going to say, as we witnessed on this very show, like there's enough comedy right now without Heath coming in with, with his shtick. David, what did I, you think about uh, just Heath? Yeah, I I do think that's the way they're gonna go. Um, I did I did think he sh- showed like enough aggression on the attack on Rohit that he is gonna go in a different direction. Rohit is the guy in Impact who is Heath Slater. He's the guy that loses to everyone. No one wants to partner. So it kind of makes sense that he's the sort of first guy Heath who is so well known as being in that position um, to take out. And then he's even teasing the the whole free agent gimmick, which was the thing he had when obviously he wasn't signed by SmackDown or wasn't signed by Raw. So I think they're doing it deliberately. They're, they're, they're kind of calling back the old gimmicks. Uh, they're having him with Rhino. And then I think, yeah, we can have a turn against Rhino. That can be the first feud and actually show that this guy, um, there's a lot more to him. Uh, but But I think, it's a rebuilding process that impact needs to do. And I think that's maybe why they're starting him out here. Mm-hmm. Willie Mack and Chris Bay for the X division title was next. And uh, as it was uh, set up on Tuesday, Johnny Swinger was not going to be in his corner and like no Johnny Swinger getting involved in this at all. Uh, instead, they did a match where the two guys wanted to break each other's neck. Uh, Chris Bay hit a neck breaker off the apron to the floor uh, that Don Callis was just uh, – he seemed like he fractured his C4 watching this thing. Uh, Bay comes back and lands a swinging neck breaker of his own onto Mac in the ring and – then Bay went for the Bamiser, not to be confused with the Famouser. It was stopped. He took an exploder into the corner. Chris Bay starts complaining about his neck to the referee, but he's playing possum, nails Mac on the turnbuckle, and then Bay hits a Canadian destroyer for a two count. Mac gets up with a stunner. Then Mac misses the six star frog splash, and Bay uh, gets knocked into the referee pokes Mac in the eyes and hits this crucifix bomb followed by an os cutter and wins the ma- the match and the title in 11 minutes 48 seconds um Nate how did you think this match uh, came across I like this match a lot John like obviously I'm a fan of both of these guys Willie Mac is a dude that's been underrated and under- undervalued for a long time uh and he's just so good in the ring as well as you know with his character work 
Uh, and then Chris Bay, Chris Bay is the future. And so seeing these two was, was a, it was a fun matchup. My only issue, and it's not even really a big issue, Davey, is I don't know if I would have put the belt on Bay this soon. I I agree. Uh, I I was really looking forward to this match. I I really enjoyed this match. I could have even had this go on a bit longer. I I felt there was another gear it didn't quite get to. They were um, getting there. They were getting there. I thought they were getting there, and I, and I felt just maybe. Like, I think this match would have killed in front of an actual crowd. Yeah, th- this oh, was the one on on paper going into this show that I thought th- this is the one that I, I think would be most enhanced w- with a match. And the th- the two worked hard. I I think that they could probably have a, a better match, but but this was I, I was pretty happy with this. Yeah, me I, I enjoyed it. I think uh, I was surprised the title. Uh, was dropped from Willie Mack so quickly. It feels like he only just won it a month or so ago. Uh, Chris Bay, I, I see a lot in. I think he's uh, he's got this great cocky character just down. Um, he's awesome in the ring. I, I can't. I I'm not really sure who who good challenges could be for him. That the X division does seem kind of empty. Uh, maybe have like split the rascals off even more and have some of them feud. And I, I kind of worry for Willie Mack a bit. I, I think mm. this feud's going to go for a bit, but I don't see where he's going to go um, unless I, I guess you could always do the Rich Swan thing because obviously we see he's back now. Um, but I, I enjoyed the match. I This kind of put a smile back on my face after all the, <laughs> the, the last two matches we'd seen. Well, Rhino had a smile on his face backstage as he reunited with Heath. And then Scott Demore walked in and told Heath, you don't actually work here, and there's a pandemic going on. This is a closed <laughs> set. There's no guests permitted, so you've got to leave. And Rhino says he's going to figure it out and tells Heath to show up on Tuesday. So uh, I don't know if he's violating any any bylaws here by just inviting a guest uh, to Tuesday's tapings, but um, – Hopefully that's where this is going, that Rhino gets this guy a job and then Heath turns on Rhino. Um, because, uh, again, like Heath just coming in as the WWE character, I, I don't know what, what that serves for Impact to just bring a guy in to be like it's it's to me it's not a kind of bi- big signing at all. I, I think that, you know, the guy could be utilized much better. So that to me would be a logical direction to go and feud with Rhino, I guess. The North was next, taking on Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan, better known after Tuesday as the Frog and the Scorpion for the Impact Tag Titles. Uh, I loved John you trying to recap that story the other day. You're like, I, there's, there's a Frog and, there, and there's a Scorpion and, and there's a Stream and, and I think they're trying to get across Stream, but Sting it. I don't know. He's gonna, he's gonna there there the were definitely some holes in the, in the in the retelling of that story, but thank you to the people that that messaged me uh, to to correct the how I butchered the story. Uh, it was very telling though when I made the joke on, on Twitter uh, that the North defeated the Scorpion and the Frog, and how many people did not get the joke that tells me are not watching Impact. So I think that was my informal poll of who's following Impact. Um, but anyway, uh, so. The North start this one out. Shamrock goes for a Google Plata onto Josh Alexander. Um, Josh Alexander is great. I think this guy, you know, th- this is a great role for him with Ethan Page. They're a tremendous tag team, but this guy certainly has upside as like a top singles heel. I, I think at-, at some point down the road that they could certainly explore with this guy. Um, 
Callahan then strikes Page, forcing him to stun his partner, uh, Josh Alexander. Uh, the North then gained control of Callahan for for a while. And then you've got kind of Shamrock and Callahan trying to work together, but clearly getting on each other's nerves. Um, Shamrock applied the ankle lock. Then Alexander applied the same hold onto Callahan, and they're just staring at each other with the ankle locks applied. But the submissions get broken up. Shamrock then has the ankle lock on Alexander, and Paige sends Callahan into Shamrock, upsetting Shamrock, who's pissed off at Sammy for breaking up the hold and shoves him. Callahan then nailed Alexander with a GTS and a pile driver. Page again is making the save, and that's kind of the story here. Ethan Page continually making the save as they had Alexander beat. And then Shamrock takes Josh off the top turnbuckle with a belly-to-belly suplex. Shamrock then goes for a dive to the floor, and they just explain that he couldn't stop himself. Like, his target was way gone <laughs> But Shamrock just could not stop, so he flew over the top uh, and was committed to this dive and just crashes and burns. The North then put Shamrock into the ring. Um, Callahan's taken out, and they hit their double-team uh, neutralizer deal and pin Shamrock in 1554 to retain the tag titles. Um, decent match, uh, I will say, and it's... I'm kind of not dying to see Shamrock and Callahan uh, continue to feud. That's kind of what they were teasing here, but um, I'm fine with the North retaining the tag titles here. Like these guys are the the, the cornerstone of this tag division, Davey. Yeah, I, I think these guys are fantastic. I think uh, the way they managed to stay relevant and entertaining whilst being stuck in Canada um, and not being able to perform on Impact, uh, doing the stuff at like uh, Santino's school. Uh, was a lot of fun i I think ethan page has so much personality i i I really enjoyed watching him and and you've already sung josh alexander's praises um i think these guys are great um and it's good to see that tag division being bolstered now after tonight because otherwise i'd be saying i just want these guys to go out elsewhere because i think you're missing out on a load of great matches for the north um the match itself was was good i I find it so strange watching Shamrock because, as I mentioned earlier, I've, I didn't watch TNA. I didn't watch MMA. So I kind of watched him in 1999, 98 when I was getting into wrestling. And then it's 22 years later and I'm starting watching him again. It's, it's very strange. Um, his was probably the low points of the match for me. When Callahan was mixing it up with the North, I, I, I thought the match was quite exciting. Um, but the right move, I think, keeping, um, keeping the titles on the North. Um, I was surprised we didn't see more of a, uh, a scorpion sting the frog situation here. It was the usual malfunction at the junction, a bit of um, miscommunication, but not so much the real like stabbing in the back, breaking this team apart. Uh, maybe that's still to come. No, they, they could have made it across the river. I think if they just <laughs> yeah. had a bit better communication. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that when you talk about the North, you know, and this is something, John, you and I talked about a few pay-per-views ago when I wasn't exactly sold on the North. And, you know, you were like, yeah, just you just got to watch these guys. And to their credit, like Alexander and Page have won me over. Like they are the class of the division. Uh, granted, the division is not as deep as it used to be. Uh, but I think they, they are so good. And this match exceeded my expectations because – I did not have high hopes. You know, I thought we were going to get another uh, 
spectacle like we got with Moose and Dreamer earlier, and, and this was better than that. And you got to give a lot of credit to the North. You also have to give credit to Sammy Callahan, who is still one of the best characters in this company, whether he's at the top of the card or in the middle of the card. And I also kind of have to tip my cap to Ken Shamrock. You know, lack of air brakes aside, I think they've actually managed to book Ken Shamrock better in 2020 than they did when he was actually their first world champion, which doesn't make any sense. You know, back <laughs> when Shamrock was actually younger and could go more, they didn't know what the hell to do with him. But now in 2020, you know, 18, 19 years later, we we figured out how to use this guy as this aging special attraction. And yeah, like Ken Shamrock isn't what he was 20 years ago, but I think he he did what he needed to do to get the story across between him and Sammy. So overall, I would say this is probably a success. Well, if you um, his book that just came out that uh, Jonathan Snowden wrote, it's it's an excellent book, but it's also like harrowing what this guy has put his body through um, mm. from drug abuse, from like everything. It's it's amazing. This guy is doing what he's doing now. Uh, it's it's actually like somewhat. You know, you have a certain concern given this guy's, you know, physical limitations on top of, you know, an older guy with uh, it, during a pandemic as well. Uh, and a guy that just seems that he is going to take significant risks in a lot of these matches. But I guess if if this is a guy that's bound and determined to still be doing this at, at this age and he's had, you know, he outlines it in the book like he's had enormous tax problems in his life that I prefer mm. pro wrestling at this point than MMA because – he would be doing MMA right now if he if he could as as well, like if wrestling wasn't an option. I mean, you know, sometimes people can't stop, John. You know, sometimes you jump in the air and your target is clearly not there and, you know, you're, you're stuck. You can't do anything, so you have to crash and burn. And so, uh, fortunately, Ken, you know, with, with this uh, late resurgence in his career is not crashing and burning, and you're right. Like, I, I would hate to see some – MMA organization take advantage of this dude at this stage of his career because that's not that's not where he needs to be so yeah it, pro wrestling probably isn't the safest profession for a man of his age but it's better than the alternative so then um afterwards page demands they take shamrock out of the ring and they're running down the tag division everyone laughed at them last year when they said they would rewrite history in this division they've had the tag titles for over a year and page calls them the greatest tag team in impact history prompting the motor city machine guns to come out and they put over the north's camaraderie and their ring attire but they disagree that they're the greatest team in impact history and saban says that they have a match to take on the north this tuesday on tv for the tag titles so setting things up for uh, impact on Tuesday, which I mean was a, a smart thing to, you know, if if you are getting some curious viewers on tonight's show, having something to send them to Tuesday's show with. Th this was kind of it. It's not like they shot some major angle that you want to mm. see followed up on Tuesday. This was kind of your um your hook for Tuesday, and, and it worked for me because normally I watch Impact on the weekend after the show has already aired, but like. For this, to see the machine guns in the north, yeah, I'll, I'll watch on Tuesday. So they had, they at least picked up one viewer, and I'm in I'm in the key demo, John. So that's a that's a that's a win for them. <laughs> oh, that mean that means you matter to to everybody. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, then we had Gia Miller, who was trying to get a word with Anderson and Gallows in the locker room. But instead, Rich Swan walked out on crutches, and he was here to support Willie Mack, and he's going to have his eye on the main event because once he's cleared, he's coming for that impact title. So some some foreboding here. Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo for the knockouts title. Um, th- these two just I thought I thought they had a great match here together. We had Grace land this huge suicide dive early in the match, and then Perrazzo comes back, and they're really putting over Grace's power here that she's got the power advantage, but Perrazzo is this submission expert, specifically with the Fujiwara armbar, and she focuses all of her offense on weakening Grace's arm. And I thought Grace's selling was fantastic here. Like throughout all of her power stuff, she was selling that arm and trying to avoid the arm bar that Perrazzo was going for. She would keep her arms clasped, but also, you know, it was Perrazzo's central focus was that arm. Uh, Grace uh, rolls her up into a rear naked choke and then wrap Perrazzo's back around the post. She's still selling the arm. And there's a spot where Perrazzo comes off the ropes into a Michinoku driver. And it wasn't smooth. And Don Callis was on top of things explaining that the arm is weakened and mm. that's going to affect her offense. And I thought that was like perfectly viable explanation that worked to the story of the match. They then started trading German suplexes. Perrazzo hit her pendulum suplex. And then Grace comes back, Vader bomb, and then uh, Perrazzo blocks the Grace driver. Grace then is driving down elbows. Perrazzo gets like a crucifix and pulls back on both arms, like a double Fujiwara armbar. And Grace is forced to submit at 15 minutes and 11 seconds. This was my match of the night. I thought these two were fantastic together. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed this match. And I thought this was a great um, showcase of the knockouts division. And I, I just thought it was a great story that they told. Grace had tremendous selling and you can easily go back to a rematch at some point and a great introduction overall for Deanna Perrazzo since they introduced her with the vignettes and building up to this match. So I, I thought this was the strongest part of the show tonight, Nate. Yeah, this was so good. I think this and the opening tag with the Rascals and the Motor City Machine Guns were probably the highlights of the night for me. Uh, Jordan Grace is another underrated performer in this company. And I think maybe a positive from the fact that Tessa's not coming back is when she was around, even though she wasn't in the women's division proper, she kind of sucked all the oxygen out of the room for the other women on the roster. And now that Tess is out of the picture, we can focus back on this knockouts division, which has become extremely deep uh, over the past couple months. And like, I love the addition of Deanna Peraza. And so I think that this was, this was a really strong match. Uh, I'd love to see them do it again, but maybe even more than that, Davey, I'm excited for the matchup with Kylie now, because not only do I think will it will it impress in the ring, but those characters, I think, can they can do some really interesting stuff leading up to the match with those two characters. Absolutely, yeah. I'm. That's the match I've been looking forward to. Kylie Ray and Diana Perazzo. Uh, this, like, like John, this was my match of the night. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. This was probably the one I was most looking forward to going into it as well. Um, I like how. I, I feel this might have been deliberate, but Diona Perrazzo's had a lot of mic time since joining Impact. I think she's only wrestled one match and it was a squash, which is great because NXT, I 
barely heard her voice at all. So I think it's deliberate for her to kind of build herself up. We know mm. she can wrestle. So now let's hear her talk a bit more. So that's been really good for her. That This match I really enjoyed. I hate to go on about it now we're like three, four months into this empty arena thing. But this this would have killed in front of a crowd. And a real shame that there wasn't anything there. But it still sucked me in. Um, I, I thought this was great. Yeah, I and I, I, you know, late in the show too. I mean, this was second from the top, but you know, fifteen minutes. It's not like they overstayed their welcome either, which I think I'm. I just have uh, recurring effects from that that Naito evil match last week. That I mean, <laughs> took a year off my life. Um, I, I just thought this was great placement, and yeah, it was uh, definitely my my match of the night. I thought this was uh, de- definitely the strongest thing that we had here. So after the fact, they announced Bound for Glory will be their next pay-per-view on Saturday, October 24th. And we didn't go over this, guys, but they did try the experiment of running a Saturday night card tonight. Did you think that this night worked any better than a Sunday, Davey? Or do you think that, you know, it's Saturday, you're talking about competition in, you know, the in normal time, we're talking a lot of UFCs that run Saturdays. There's a lot of, you know, college games that, that are happening. Um, what do you think about Saturday versus Sunday? That is typically the more traditional wrestling night, although not a night AEW's decided to take up. Honestly, it, I've not had a normal schedule for a good 15 years. So it, it <laughs> makes no difference to me. Thursday what, afternoon bound for glory. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it really makes no difference to me. Um, I, I know it's clashing with UFC tonight, so I, I don't know if, uh, I mean, I think Impact's going to kind of struggle getting a, a good audience anyway. So, um, I think it's a shame you're up against UFC, but what's the alternative? You're going up against WWE tomorrow. Um, I'm not the best person to comment on it, as I said, cause I, I never know what day of the week it is anyway. I only know from what wrestling's on TV. <laughs> As someone with a calendar, Nate, uh, that tries to follow the, the days of the week, does it make uh, a- any difference to you? And I mean, we, we are talking about impact here that I think they have their audience that I don't know how much, you know, running a Saturday night is necessarily like if you're an impact fan, I think you're going to watch it regardless. I guess it's yeah. just it's an experiment that I think it's just noteworthy that they tried it and they're going to do it again in October. Well, that's the thing. Like the impact audience is pretty insulated at this, at this point, right? Like they're, they're not fluctuating up or down that much, uh, regardless of what night you put it on. I prefer Saturday though. Like I, I know Sunday is the traditional wrestling pay-per-view night, but I kind of like Saturday because I'm up late on Saturdays anyway. And so, you know, in, 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 in a world where we don't have traditional sports outside of, you know, UFC, NASCAR, maybe golf, uh, Korean baseball, if you will, I, th- I think this filled a void for me. I don't now. The question is, once we start to get the NBA back at the end of the month, once we start to get, you know, maybe an NFL season potentially, will this still work? I don't know. But, you know, for this night, I actually enjoyed it on a Saturday as opposed to if it was on tomorrow night. So it's main event time. Ace Austin was out first, uh, accompanied by Madman Fulton. And they're preceded by Trey and Eddie Edwards. And we're awaiting the fourth entrant. And out comes Rich Swan, who throws the crutches away. And he is announced as the fourth man. But before the match begins, we hear music. And out comes this masked figure who reveals himself to be 
Eric Young, <laughs> not as Super Eric. And he has joined the match, calling himself a world-class surprise, and it is now a five-way, bringing up that he won his Impact title at Slammiversary, and he's going to do it again. Um, and this was our, I guess, second-to-last surprise of the night, because we would get one more. Uh, but we'll start with you, Nate. Uh, this, this lineup, the addition of Rich Swan and Eric Young as well, um, in terms of uh, the additions to the main event. Honestly, I would have just been fine with the addition of Rich Swan. now looking back in hindsight. Uh, and it's nothing against Eric Young. I think Eric Young is a perfectly fine wrestler, and he makes sense coming back to Impact as opposed to, you know, going to an AEW or MLW. He makes sense coming home, so to speak. Uh, but he wasn't that big top-notch surprise that, that they were promising us. And so... Like, again, outside of EC3, maybe, or somebody like Amani Brown, uh, you know, they weren't going to meet my expectations. And, yeah, seeing EY back, it, it's cool. But, honestly, I thought it stepped on what could have been an interesting moment for Rich Swan if you wanted to tell that story. Davey, I'm kind of curious with you as well that, you know, we see – like. I think it's kind of a it's a difficult balancing act because you have these performers that have history with TNA, but you know you have seen them go to WWE, and a larger fan base probably sees them just in that uh, prism. And you know, a generation or multiple generations ago at this point, we would see sometimes where you'd have those big stars and territories. They went to the WWF and would kind of flounder, go back to their territory, and they're no longer seen as that big star because. We, we saw you on the national scene. I guess as you look at – if I think, Impact, you just have to look at how many of these stars that you're bringing back that you don't just want to be full of you know talent that your larger audience saw not succeed in WWE. Yeah. I mean, I for me, this was – both entrants, if – it kind of felt like Rey Mysterio coming out at the 2014 Royal Rumble. You know, you're you're hoping for Daniel Bryan, and it's like, oh, I like these guys, but I don't I don't want to see you right now. I was I was wanting D. Bry. Like that's kind of how it felt here to me. Um, I I think on on paper, you you tell me that five way, it's like yeah, that that sounds like a good match. But mm. you've built these guys up so much, and I think the difference is. But with all the people they announced, I think EC3 would have been a bigger deal in this match because although he, like, like well, I don't even want to say fail because he didn't have a chance whatsoever on the main roster, he did have somewhat of a run in NXT. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think Eric Young was ever even at that. Like, sure, sanity was a thing, but I never really saw him as a big deal in nxt either like i I recognized he was a talented wrestler but for me as someone who doesn't have that familiarity with kind of tna's back catalog um it was just like oh okay it's eric young and then i think that's a good point davy like if if they just announced uh ec3 if they just announced that eric young was going to be in the match from the beginning and we could have gotten vignettes leading up to this and speaking about why Slammiversary is so important to him. Speaking about why coming back home, so to speak, is important to him, I think this would have played much better. Uh, But given the fact that you put him in this unwinnable situation as the big surprise of the evening, it it just kind of fell flat. 
part of me wonders as well, John, you mentioned at the beginning uh, who who would have worked for you as a big surprise. Now, all the all the kind of hurdles impact have been thrown over the last couple of months with obviously uh, like speaking out and Tessa and Elgin and this main event changing about six times. Mm-hmm. Obviously, none of us know what the status is, but uh, Miro Rusev is someone I think would have made a huge impact in this main mm-hmm. event. But obviously, he's unfortunately come down with COVID, so has been pulled from that. So it does make me wonder if maybe when they were building all this up, he might have been that initial thought to be the guy in this match. And then when that wasn't going to happen, you go, all right, well, let's get Eric Young in there. I think it's a really tough spot as well to introduce a guy because, like, let's say they had a Rusev, like, or even had EC3 been in this role, you almost have to put them over for the title. Yep. And I think that's that's very tough to – you do that night one, um, which is fine if you've got a great idea for it. But I just think it, it's kind of tough when you're immediately coming in and winning the title or you lose and it's almost like your your debut is overshadowed by the fact you've failed on night one as well. I kind of looked at like the EC3 introduction. That at least leaves you with some intrigue of what this guy is going to do when he is coming back. That I think that was a better introduction than say an Eric Young that, you know, he'll spin off for a feud here with Rich Swan, but you can kind of see where he's slotted coming in. But let's get into uh, the actual match. So it's, it's an elimination match, and it's pretty crazy from the get-go. Uh, Madman Fulton catches Edwards and drops him onto the edge of the apron and then gets ejected. Um, and then we got one highlight here where Trey slid to the floor into a Canadian destroyer delivered to Rich Swan, And uh, Shane Helms remarked, seeing this move, uh, putting it over, but then saying, don't waste it. And I would say that I, I don't know if this was like a hallmark of the match that most would necessarily uh, have noticed it uh, because I will I will be fully transparent that I totally missed this move until Shane Helms commented on it. So I don't know if it necessarily uh, rang true with me, but it did look very impressive. Um, Edwards hit a tiger driver and then Trey broke up a pinfall with a meteora off the top and the announcers called out. Was that the smartest move? Like, it's an elimination match. There is no, there is no problem if you just watch Edwards pin this guy and then you attack him. Uh, so instead he breaks up this cover on Edwards, uh, that Edwards had and Eric Young hits Trey with the pile driver and eliminates him. And I'll say, Davey, like, you were watching all the buildup. Like, they were putting a lot on Trey. And I would say, like, this is a pretty underwhelming outing for Trey where he's not only out first, but also out with like a pretty, like, silly, way of explaining it like this guy just kind of this fluke finish where he's out of there yeah i i've really enjoyed watching trey recently i i think he's really upped his game and has uh his promos i feel have been pretty good as well um and he was actually the highlight of the match for me until his elimination Mm. so it it was a real shame i i kind of made had it down for um when i saw that it was eric young as the as the mystery guy i kind of saw trey and uh ace austin being the final two because they've had the biggest feud going into this i mean if you break down into a fight in an empty gym i mean that is a grudge at a level that (laughs) only a pay-per-view main event can contain 
so the match continues with the remaining four. I mean, we, we've seen people in America fight for less, uh, fight for the right to not wear a mask. So anything goes right now, John Pollock. Have you guys seen the new anti-mask masks where it's masks that have anti-mask messaging on them? <laughs> it's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, but it is technically a mask. So whatever, whatever. Uh <laughs> Young then uh, is beating down on Rich Swan. This part was very funny. Young just yells at Swan, let down. And then he points at me, reward, <laughs> in terms of the surprises tonight. <laughs> uh, like that's, that's rather presumptuous, EY. <laughs> well, then it was followed by Young going for a pile driver that was countered with a roll-up, and Swan eliminated Eric Young, who then snapped – uh, by snapping the ankle of Rich Swan, uh, the previously injured ankle, he destroys it with a chair multiple times, blasts the ankle with the chair, and Swan is just howling in pain. Young leaves, and then Ace Austin is in. Swan tries to fight back with punches, but eventually Austin kicks out the leg and hits the fold to eliminate Rich Swan, and we're down to Ace Austin and Eddie Edwards. Edwards is uh, attacking him. Austin then sneaks away, landing a super kick. Edwards hits the Boston knee party. Austin kicks out. Matthews gets in the line that Edwards beat Bobby Lashley with that move. Uh, little, little shade thrown there. And then Austin hits the fold. Edwards kicks out. And then Austin misses coming off the top. Edwards hits another Boston knee party. And then the diehard Flosion pinning Ace Austin. 24 minutes and 26 seconds they go. Eddie Edwards wins, which I would say was mildly surprising, but it seemed like they really – Eddie Edwards to me has been a character that has been just lost in impact. Like you can see that they have a lot of um, – they see a lot of value in the guy, but he just seems to be someone that doesn't have really a concentrated direction other than um, Ace Austin was going after his wife for a year and that was a big, big feud and he went nuts – Alicia was going to divorce him. Then they weren't going to divorce. Uh, it was uh, quite, quite the, um, quite the saga for one Eddie Edwards. But here he comes out of See, it. So you're saying it was an entanglement, John Pollock? It was an <laughs> entanglement. Yes, they needed a red table to really settle that that whole dispute with uh, with uh, with Alicia and Eddie, uh, because I, I don't think Eddie was giving his blessing, much like Will. Uh, so Eddie Edwards wins the championship. Um, how do you think the, the main event uh, came across, Davey? Um, yeah, on the subject of Eddie Edwards, I, I kind of felt sorry for him going into this match because he had the the triple threat match with Tessa and Michael Elgin set for uh, Rebellion, was it? Just before the uh, like COVID hit. And then right. obviously we then went empty arena. Eddie Edwards wasn't coming in. Tessa Blanchard wasn't coming in. The match changed. And then we're building up to this. And his main feud is with Elgin and Tessa Blanchard. And then they're released and he's he's the one who really should be going for this title because he never got the title shot he should have had months ago um but then you've got the trey and ace austin feud going on and he just he just kind of felt there so all of his story had kind of been taken away from him and he's felt derailed for the last four months really so maybe putting the title on him is a way to kind of restart that but it, it wasn't the sort of emotional like oh this is what this guy has been uh ever since losing this title way back when this is the thing he's been fighting for it you just kind of forgot about him because of everything that's happened uh match itself i i, I found thoroughly entertaining 
um i would say i was kind of a bit like uh kind of the the air was out of it to start with because i was a bit disappointed with the reveals but the match itself i thought i thought was very entertaining what did you think nate it was a solid match i think that when you talk about eddie edwards he was my pick if we didn't get a big surprise you know for and this is not shaded eric young but you know <laughs> This was Nate saying, worst case scenario, we got Eddie Edwards. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, out of the out of the available options, and obviously this is before I knew Rich Swan was gonna be in the match. It made the most sense, I guess, for Eddie. Granted, they've been telling the story about Trey, but in terms of looking forward, it makes sense if you want to go back to Eddie and Moose eventually, because yes, Eddie has had a lot of chapters in his story over the past couple years. In Impact, John, uh, some of them have been really good, like the feud with Sammy Callahan, and some have been not so good, like the entanglement. And so Moose and Eddie, they have an established storyline history. And so that's something positive that can come from this if they choose to go in that direction. Uh, but getting back to the match, I thought everybody worked really hard. Uh, and I think it, my enjoyment of the match probably would have come off a lot better, John, had we known that EY was going to be in from the beginning rather than making this a big mystery, you know? And, and I think I'm looking forward to Rich Swan and Eric Young because I like, I love Rich Swan and EY uh, is, is really solid. So that could be fun. I think we're getting more of a Trey and ACE, which could be fun. And then we've got Eddie out here with the belt and he was put in a bad spot because his story, like this isn't the story ramping up to a champion that we've been telling, or they've been telling with Eddie Edwards. He's just kind of the guy that, that happened to be there. You know, he's not to make this political, but he's Joe Biden. He's not the guy you wanted for the spot, John Pollock. He's not the guy that you get enthusiastic about, but he's the best of a bad bunch of options. And so, okay, let's coronate President Biden, a.k.a. champion Eddie Edwards. Well, does that mean that Eddie Edwards is going to need a, a running mate to be his second in whatever future feuds that? Yes, he, has he needs up? to uh, to announce that Kira Hogan is going to be his vice president. <laughs> well, <laughs> a perfect analogy, I, I think. Um, I, I think that no, number one, I think that for the build up to this, Impact had to probably do some incredible maneuvering to make all the TV they shot make sense when you figure that they were building up to a five-way match that was going to include champion Tessa Blanchard and challenger Michael Elgin to this. Um, that said, I think it's a great point about Eric Young. And whenever you say mystery participant, mystery partner, people's expectations are going to go in a million different directions. So I think that that sometimes... If you don't have a great payoff, you're you're setting people up for disappointment. I think the idea with Impact was there's going to be so many different surprises that that's the hook of the pay-per-view. That even if you're let down with one appearance, well, we've got other ones uh, showing up too. And that, that was the whole basis of this pay-per-view was who is going to show up. And that would lead us to our post-match where Madman Fulton returns and him and Ace Austin are attacking Edwards when Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows come out to their new theme and they walk down the ramp. Luke Gallows almost took a spill here, if you uh, were paying attention. Uh, <laughs> luckily, kept his footing. And they got in. 
and they're staring down Fulton and Edwards, or sorry, Fulton and Austin, and we don't know which way they're going. They tease, shaking hands with Austin and and uh, Fulton, but then attack them, and we get a gun stun. They hit the magic killer onto Austin as Edwards uh, fights with them as well, and then it's Anderson, Gallows, and Edwards together in the ring. Sharing some beers together. Um, no one, no one poured beer on each other like uh, in AEW. They all just uh, accepted the the beer gift from Anderson and Gallows. And we cut to one final video, and there is the mystery drinker. Throughout all of these videos, it's a super pissed off EC3 who looks fucking angry, and he throws the glass against the wall and just stares a hole as the show ends. So. E angry EC3 is coming back to Impact Wrestling. I love that, John. Like I, I'll talk about Gallows and Anderson in a second, but I love the the EC3 as Thanos at the end of the pay per view. <laughs> instead of grabbing a gauntlet and saying "I'll do it myself," he throws his liquor against the wall, which has the uh, three emblem on it, and and he's just like, "I'll do it myself." And so I'm I'm excited because I think you know you you brought up the point, John. How do fans react to somebody who has quote unquote failed in another organization? And I think with EC3, it's clear to anybody with two eyes uh, that the company failed him and not the sorry, other way Sorry, sorry. So not Rey Mysterio. So not Rey Mysterio, not Seth Rollins after Sunday. Uh, <laughs> so anybody with two eyes can see that the WWE is the one that dropped the ball on EC3. And so it, to me, it, it almost feels like that episode of The Simpsons where – uh, I think it's like Homer ruins Las Vegas and the Vegas performers go back. They leave Springfield and they go back to Vegas and they're welcomed with open arms. Uh, and that, that's how it feels. Cause you know, I think, especially if we had crowds right now, EC3 coming back would be a big deal for this company because he was one of the few bright spots during a very dark period in the company's history. So I'm excited to see what he brings on this next run. And I think this is the best company for EC3. Of all the options that he's got out there, Impact to me is the best the best fit for an EC3. Yeah, because he already comes in the door with a with the history, and he's already a top guy just for the fact that he's coming home to to Impact. And so I think like he's he's going to be great, and and I'm looking forward to it. I like uh, this angry drunk EC3 uh, that we got uh, in in the very last seconds of the show. Uh, and then speaking of drunks, when you talk about Gallows and Anderson, I think this could be a really good spot for them. I think, obviously, this isn't as great as your idea, John, with the Bullet Club invading Impact. But I think that this will go so much better than Gallows' last run in TNA or Impact with aces and eights and i think <laughs> wow you're, you're really setting the bar low <laughs> this is gonna be better than aces and eights okay i'm putting hey, i'm putting my name to this john you can you can make that the pull quote for this podcast episode better than aces and eights uh i think that gallows is, is gonna work fine here but i'm really excited to see what carl anderson can do mm-hmm. in this company and given a little bit of freedom and allowed us to talk more because uh you know even that promo that they did last night when you know the signing was official i thought that was really well done and so i think these guys could be really effective in in impact and in in this tag division 
So, Davey, I'd, I'd go thumbs in the middle on this show. Like, I, I thought it was I, – I, overall, I really enjoyed Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo. I thought the opening mm. tag was very good. And, and I think the main event, by, by the end of it, I think you, you, you've you set up some some different directions. The new people coming in, I think, is going to inject some interest in Impact to at least be curious for people to check in and see what's going on. So I, I'd give this – I, I can only go thumbs in the middle. I, I can't go thumbs up on the show, but where, where do you land? Maybe you thought higher. No, I, I was same. I was thumbs in the middle. I, I think there were there were quite a few, like actually really entertaining matches to watch. But this show was purely selling itself on the surprises. And uh, I feel, although I think after a bit of time's gone past, you'll go, this is great. We've really bolstered our ros- roster now. Mm. Um, which they needed. The tag division needed it. Uh, the main event scene needed it. So you've got all these great guys coming back now, which is awesome. But I think they built it up so much. People's expectations got so high. And I think a lot of people did get the show based on that and might feel a little cheated and might not want to come back because of that. Um, but after a bit of time's passed, I think you'll see that apart from the that gauntlet match, which really should have just been like a, a four way for the number one contenders. That would have been great. And then I, I think the show would have moved a little further up in my ratings, but yeah, thumbs in the middle. We do have some uh, feedback here. Um, so we'll, we'll quickly go through this, this feedback and uh, might bring up some, uh, some other points here. The, uh, the forum gave this show a 5.77 out of 10. Ooh. So it does get a pass. Uh, Brandon from Oshawa writes, over the last couple of years, I've caught some of the impact pay-per-views through nefarious means. I decided that since there was a bit of buzz for this one, I'd fork out the cash. It will be the last time I do that. I wouldn't pay a dollar for their shows after this crap. I can't believe they actually had the audacity to say that we'll remember this show for the rest of our lives. They needed something big to happen. A big angle. Something. We got nothing. In fact, I don't even know what's going on. Who was supposed to be the guy walking through the town at the beginning? I think that's pretty clear. At the beginning, we had this video of this guy in a hoodie going around Nashville. I guess the hoodie guy was uh, EC3. Is that what we're to EC3, believe? EC3 walking up Broadway, having a load of whiskey. Yeah, realizes all the bars are shut down, so he's got to go back home <laughs> to to drink up. Um, can't can't be dancing at honky tonk anymore. So yeah. Uh, why was Swan in what we were told was the locker room of Gallows and Anderson? Three people grabbed the glasses of whiskey, but who were they? I thought it would be Gallows and Anderson with someone, but I don't think they gave any clue that it was them. EC3, EC3 threw a glass, but I didn't get if he was supposed to be one of them. Overall, the show was a joke. I think one uh, le- one big question they leave is kind of where Anderson and Gallows do go because they don't, yeah. you know, they celebrated with Edwards, but they they really were not given any kind of like defined role tonight. Other than you clearly see they are going to be treated like big stars in this company. And not to refute uh, Brother Brandon's feedback, but from the the emotion that he poured into the into this, I do think Impact was right, and he will remember this show for the rest of his life. Uh, that's the show. That's the show that got me off of Impact for good. <laughs> uh, Impact or Access TV sent out this press release after Slammiversary, and it includes a quote from Scott Demore: "Slammiversary 2020 will go down as the biggest game-changing event in Impact Wrestling history. <laughs> the biggest, not Angle showing up, not uh, we're going to Monday nights. No, the biggest." Impact the biggest game changing event in impact wrestling history. Mm. 
Uh, Jackie from Orlando writes, strangely enough, I grew up a TNA fan, although I fell off during the Hogan era. I have periodically checked back for pay-per-views and special episodes. That being said, I have mixed feelings on this show. On the one hand, this was the most buzz any Impact show has had in some time, and the top half of the card capitalized on that with some great matches. On the other hand, the first half was plagued with a myriad of technical issues and weak in-ring showings for the Gauntlet and Moose versus Dreamer. With so many eyes on the product, it's sad to see them fall short at anything, but I do feel they set up a lot for coming weeks with the turns plus we rarely see a strong babyface faction so i appreciate that i guess alluding to like edwards and anderson and gallows which we'll see if that's an alliance on tv or not uh ben from vancouver here loved having callus back on commentary the motor city machine guns were a nice surprise for their opening match match of the night for me was grace versus perazzo also really enjoyed the North against Shamrock and Callahan. Main event was a mixed bag. No reason for Swan or EY to be in the match. Both were a huge letdown after a lot of buildup. Um, I'd say for that, Nate, like we're clearly going to get a feud out of that with those two. Yeah, and, and it should be good. Like I think that, again, had we known that this was going to be the match two weeks ago or a month ago, I think people would have a much different impression of it, you know, as opposed to this kind of sour taste that's left in people's mouths. You know, to use another video game analogy, Davey, I've been playing a lot of NBA 2K20 during this pandemic. Oh, PS4? Oh, on the Xbox. Ah, sorry, sorry. Okay. Oh, we, we could have had some. Oh, uh, that could have had some fun there. That would have been a great match. But but uh, I've really been getting into the my GM mode, and right now I'm in charge of the Sacramento Kings and. John, like the people wanted me to bring in some star power for this team. And I had the chance to get Kawhi Leonard. I had the chance to maybe try to get Anthony Davis, but that wouldn't help the Kings right now. I needed depth on my roster. So instead of Kawhi Leonard, instead of Paul George or Anthony Davis, I brought in Ricky Rubio (laughs) and the uh, Hernan Gomez brothers because that secures my my backcourt and my frontcourt. And the people did not like that. Like they stopped. Ooh. Like I'm losing money right now. People are not coming to these Sacramento Kings games, even though I have the fourth best record in the Western Conference, John. And, and this analogy is is leading to the end point, which is I think this is a good move in terms of depth for the roster, but it's not the big splash you needed to make. It's not you know this ridiculous uh, statement that Scott DeBoer put out. It's not this game changer. And unfortunately, if you promise something that big and don't deliver, your audience is going to turn away, much like my beloved Sacramento Kings fans. Well, it's a great point. It's one I mentioned uh, th- this week as well, is that whoever they were going to bring in tonight, the success or failure is going to be judged six to eight months from now when you look at, okay, they brought an EC3 back, and look how better they they utilized him or, or mm. rehabbed Anderson and Gallows, who were just – you know, fodder on WWE television. Like all of these on paper are just, you know, they're not going to be met with, oh my God, I can't believe they brought this guy in because I didn't think that there were any of those names that were going to elicit that initial um, splash. It's going to be ones that months from now, they look at like, what a great pickup that they had that look, look what they did with, with Heath. Just Heath has become mm. great. Um, maybe, maybe we'll look back at it and it'll be, you know, several pickups and they, it's their, their booking and character development that really grow, but it's, it's going to be the long game, I think, for, for some of these, um, in terms of whether they're successful or whether they sort of just blend into impact. Cause I, I think impact, their biggest challenge is going to be trying to make a splash 
as a whole and just trying to get a spotlight on them. That's been their biggest challenge to me of the past two years. Uh, next one here is Nick from Lansing. As someone who's been keeping up with Impact, mostly through recaps and not watching week to week, shout out to Davey there. The card intrigued me enough to tune in, and I was glad I did. Every match was entertaining, and commentary was able to fill in most of the details. Uh, so clearly, Nick, uh, his stream went down for 19 minutes and 10 seconds during the gauntlet match. Uh, top three matches for me in no real order was the X Division match, the tag title match, and the main event. The use of ex-WWE stars will probably be one of the biggest talking points out of the show, but I thought that they handled the mass influx of talent as well as could be. Heath Blank showing up and being removed after a Rhino reunion was fun. Eric Young put on a good show, especially in his vicious moments with Rich Swan. And the Good Brothers coming at the end was probably the most obvious of the debuts, but I thought they looked solid in the ring in that short burst. Um, yeah, we got a magic killer and drinking beer. So, I mean, they they did succeed on those. <laughs> Uh, Gallows had some trouble walking down the ramp, but that's okay. Um, Gerard here. Solid but not spectacular show. Main event was the best match, followed by Chris Bay versus Willie Mack. Bay is going to be a huge star and has that it factor. I was happy to see Rich Swan as a main event surprise. He was arguably, he has arguably been the best worker in Impact when he's been healthy. And given how good Eric Young looked tonight, their feud should be great. I, was, I haven't been a consistent Impact watcher, but the Machine Guns versus North this Tuesday is going to get me to definitely tune in. Uh, Alexander from Portland, uh, we'll condense this one. This is, uh, uh, a bit lengthy. I'll start off with the good. The knockouts division has a variety of interesting characters. Evil Carter, the third looked menacing. Heath cut a heated promo. Eric Young becoming unhinged was a good direction. It seems like everyone's going crazy. That's kind of the, the unifying theme here, uh, which I think Heath will go. Uh, Impact using the time to build up their show on Tuesday was a smart move. Then there's the bad, the awful replays, the mic issues, the lights beaming straight into the camera during the knockouts rumble. Ken Shamrock looking dazed at times like he forgot his next spot. His sluggishness makes Hiroyoshi Tenzon look like Ricochet. Uh, Eric wow. Young, that's quite the comparison. <laughs> Eric Young makes sense to return to the company, but talk about an underwhelming surprise. I didn't even know it was an elimination match until Trey was eliminated. Then you have Eddie win the title, and the moment is ruined by Madman Fulton, but in a way that got much less heat than when Kenta interrupted Naito this year. The Good Brothers came out and had a stare down, making your new champion, Eddie Edwards, feel like the fifth most important guy in the ring. Uh, he goes on to ask, what are your thoughts on Josh Matthews as a commentator? I absolutely hated him tonight. He feels so phony anytime he tries to emote for a company that has such a revolving door of talent. I'm surprised Josh Matthews is the guy they choose to put on commentary. Uh, pass or fail grade, Davey, on Josh Matthews. Uh, you know, hearing him with Don Callis is a darn sight better than listening to him and his wife bicker uh, every Tuesday. So... Yeah, whatever. It's it's he's part of the furniture, you know. It's like you listen to him for so long. It's like Michael Cole. Um, he's fine. Whatever. I actually think some of Josh's best um, work and impact have been. Th- this is going back a few years when he actually had to call shows solo, and I thought mm. he actually did. Like that's a very like Nate, as you could probably attest to. Very tough to do solo play by play. That I thought he did okay. Like. Josh, to me, like, he's never going to be singled out as the top announcer out there. Um, but I, I think he's serviceable in the role. Yeah, I, I think with Josh Matthews, it, he is the type of broadcaster that is either going to rise or fall to the level of his partner. And I think him and Callis work really, really well. Uh, and this is no disrespect to Madison Rain, but 
that tandem didn't work quite as well. And so I, I respect Josh for, for the hustle. I respect the hard work that this, this man has put in with this company for all these years. Um, he's never been my favorite uh, play-by-play guy, and he probably never will be, John. Like, he's he's he comes across at times like great value Michael Cole, and that's not my cup of tea. Like, especially when you, when you look over to AEW and you've got Shivani and Jim Ross and Excalibur and, and Jericho and Taz, you know, doing their thing on commentary. So like Josh isn't terrible. He's, he's gotten better than he was, but I don't think he'll ever kind of get past serviceable as an announcer. Hey, uh, before we, uh, just, uh, wrap up here, I failed to mention that th- this has become a staple on every TNA pay-per-view, Impact pay-per-view, that they plug that the DVD of this event will be on sale on their on their website. <laughs> like, amazing in 2020. Like, I don't know of any companies that promote a DVD on sale, but Impact, to the dying end, will live and die with that technology. Shout out for the, for the respect for physical media. Because, again, John, like, I, obviously, you know, I am somebody who still has a decent-sized DVD collection. And, and while I appreciate streaming services you know that, that have all these these uh movies available the thing i miss from the dvd era is actually putting the dvd in the machine and and going through the menu and listening to director's commentaries which i feel are a lost thing now that you know everything is uh you know through digital media uh it's it's not something that people think to do as much as they used to back in the day. So yeah, shout out to Impact for keeping keeping the DVD industry alive. <laughs> Big question will be at Bound for Glory. Do we see the return of title sponsor Comda dot com mm. and Don Callis's hat? Uh, last one here. As long as, as long as Barry Dinkins comes back, I'm good, John. <laughs> last one is Andrew from Cape Breton. I think the show tonight was hampered by people's imaginations because of all the potential signings. The fact that more people didn't show up was going to be a big disappointment. This was made worse when Heath Slater's debut was ruined by Fight TV going offline for a bit during his debut. The show that that could actually be like his part of his motivation for the disrespect yes. that he received from Impact coming here. He's kicked out of the building. You, the feed went down during my debut. <laughs> I got a shitty microphone. God damn it. Um, the highlight was the return of the machine guns, but again, that ended up hurting the rest of the night because I assumed there would be more returns during the matches. The knockouts gauntlet had a lot of potential with returns and debuts, but ended up being the worst match of the night. I also did like Eric Young returning as he was one of my favorite wrestlers during the don't fire Eric run in the late 2000s. He's an excellent wrestler, a benefit for the company, but again, I do wish there were more. Impact may have done too much to promote the show, and it ended up biting them in the ass six out of ten they over promoted this show is Andy's <laughs> biggest criticism um and i i don't fault any fan that had high expectations they those teaser videos were designed for that and yeah. they they chose to put like a sting in an angle in there beyond just guys from the wwe cuts so it, like if fans were expecting big i don't fault them at all no, and it's it's a situation where obviously you have to promote this. You want to get some talk going on, but if you don't have the cards to back it up, then everybody can immediately see that you are bluffing. And it's not shade at Eric Young or the Motor City Machine Guns or the Good Brothers, because these are all talents that can help your roster. But it's not what people were paying $40 for. And I think ultimately you might've hurt yourself in the long run because yeah, like I think all of these talents, particularly EC3 are going to pan out for the company, 
But for the, the curiosity buys that they may have gotten tonight, those people, much like Brandon, might never come back. Well, that is yeah. going... Yeah, yeah, final Sorry, thought no, you, I was, I was yeah. just going to echo the same. Uh, I think uh, they probably did well with the promotion for this show, but I can see a lot dropping off for the next. Yeah, that that's going to be the struggle. Like, I think there was this belief that, you know, going to Access TV was going to be this, this massive increase in exposure, and mm. there's just no evidence of that. I mean, you know, up here in Canada, it's either you watch on the Fight Network or you find it online. Like, those are kind of your, your options. Um and in the states, like Nate, you—I know I've asked you this before, but you—you you do get access, correct? Like that's where you would watch Impact, or do you have to find it other other ways? No, I, I don't get access in my area, so I usually watch it on Twitch. Well, there you go. Yeah, like that's—it's it, <laughs> tough. Like if you are, if if it's not readily available, it becomes something where people are. If if you give people a easy way to skip a show, it's out of sight, out of mind. So like, I think- honestly, if it wasn't for Twitch, the YouTube uh, page and the uh, impact plus, which is a good uh, mm-hmm. app. Like I wouldn't be able to keep up with the product. Well, that's why we have Davey Portman every Tuesday night at postwrestling.com recapping impact. If you are not keeping up with it. Um, so let's, let's go through some, uh, some plugs here from both of you, uh, starting with yourself, Davey, uh, always a busy week in the land of up next at the BDE. And maybe when Braden makes his way home, you can, uh, you can give him the highlight, the highs and lows of Slammiversary. Oh yeah. We'll probably rewatch it right after this. Um, no, uh, yeah, you can find us, uh, every Wednesday night, uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash up next, where we do our live post NXT show every Wednesday. And then uh, shortly after uploaded to our uh, free feed on the podcast, just search up next, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we do watch alongs for pretty much every pay-per-view, AEW, NXT, and now it now it seems impact wrestling as well. So youtube.com forward slash up next for our watch alongs. And we have our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash up next, where we do uh, certain shows like Best Match Ever, where we look back at great rivalries and great match stipulations or pay-per-views. Uh, we do our Was Next, where we look back at uh, kind of the Full Cell era, uh, starting from the beginning in 2012 of NXT, and lots of just random movie reviews and non-related wrestling content. And yeah, find me at Davey Portman, follow our Twitter page at up next podcast and follow the facebook group uh up next podcast as well yeah and you can uh both myself and nate have done uh episodes of best match ever i did one on stan yes. hansen and nate just did one on uh mike awesome and masato tanaka going there through their history of matches so uh <laughs> you can check those out nate uh is one of the busiest men out there in the podcast space uh direct the listeners to where they can get more of Nate Milton because uh hearing you after an impact pay-per-view it's just it, it doesn't it doesn't quench the thirst no you know people want more you know right right now they're getting Eric Young Nate and the people want the people want Sting Nate and so if you want Sting Nate you can find me on the various shows and various platforms of course the kings of sport myself and Marcus Vanderberg uh you can check us out we've got a Patreon so after you Put down your money for uh, the post Patreon and the BDE Patreon. Uh, slide over to the Kings of Sport Patreon. Uh, myself and Marcus, we've got over a hundred hours of content on there, audio, video. We've got a MCU review. We've got a political show, which I'm sure 
Chris and I will probably touch base sometime in the next week or so. Oh, n- uh, now talk. is the time to jump yeah. on the Kings of Sport uh, Patreon because I know that you, you and Chris, I think are going to have some some fantastic shows over the next few months. That will be my yeah, like bold I, prediction. I, Chris and I have already like we we already got synchronizing our schedules because uh, not only do we have to talk about the election and then all the craziness with that, we'll probably you know, do some type of tribute or some type of show for John Lewis, who just passed away. Yes, rest in uh, peace. Yes, a huge figure in the civil rights movement, arguably one of the greatest living Americans uh, who passed away. Um, we will have to get together to do another episode of the NWA podcast, because if you've been on Twitter at all this weekend, you've met, you may have noticed that uh, certain performers of color, you know, have been speaking out. Um, mm-hmm. And so... You know, we will probably touch on that with what's going on with Leo Rush and, and this uh, movement to appreciate performers like Naomi and, and Sonny Kiss, who had this big moment right. on AEW this past week. So uh, that'll be on the Kings of Sport Patreon. Uh, of course, you can check me out here on Post Wrestling uh, with the Rocky Mavia Picture Show. The next episode out will be Fast and Furious 6 as uh, we, we keep going with that franchise and uh Joining me for that will be the Joes, uh, Joe Lewandowski and Joe Two from Too Fast to Forever. So we'll chop that up and then you'll find that on the post feed. Uh, I've got the DC TV podcast, the Black Lightning podcast. We'll probably have another show up before the month's out. Uh, I'm on Place of Nation's main event. I'm on a bunch of different shows. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm wherever I need to be. So you can check me out on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate mosaic on Twitter. Uh, and, and Davey, it's been a pleasure speaking with you again, my friend and John, thank you. For, I know we do these impact shows on the regular, but I appreciate you having me here for the night that changed everybody's lives. The biggest game changing night in impact wrestling history <laughs> is, has come to an end. Everybody. How will they follow this up? Uh, do check out all of Nate and Davey's uh, tremendous work, including uh, Davey's watch-along for Extreme Rules, uh, the horror show at Extreme mm. Rules on Sunday night. Enjoy a watch-along so you can appreciate the the gift of sight because by the end of the night, someone will not have such a gift. So uh, that will be coming up on Sunday night. Way and I will be going live right after the pay-per-view if you're a double-double ice cap or espresso member at postwrestlingcafe.com with a review and taking your phone calls. So that is it for us. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. And now we're all going to take a glass and throw it against the wall and stare very, very angry at you. <laughs>